Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And we are going to discuss Mr. Miracle number 11, The Greatest Show Off Earth. All right. Starts with a great shot of Big Barda and an awesome escape by Scott. I mean, like it just starts with the most uh, exciting momentum. You know, I just love how Kirby can start a book with action and just build from there. Yeah. Also, there's like, uh, there's also like, you're like, what's she holding? And like, you know, the Ted guy is all like, oh my God, I can't believe she's doing it. Like, you got to record this on tape for people to believe it, which is really funny because nowadays, if it's on tape, people don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, what a woman. What a woman. Just fine. Nobody would believe this unless I got it on film. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fast forward 40 years. They're all like, if it's on film, it's fake. Right. Don't believe it. Also, when you switch from page one to two and three, you get that big old big splash page. And then you're all like, oh, that's what she's holding up. Pages two and three are just, it's a static image, but it's a spectacular mm -hmm. image too. Mm -hmm. The way he has Scott cutting through the entire two page spread with the post on one side and his body on the other and him all chained up. I mean, there's so much energy in that image. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So dynamic. It's really cool. Yeah, I am. Um, actually, I was just recently watching a video, like a comic video, um, like the cartoonist Kayfabe, and they mentioned how like Kirby's art is coming at you. You know, everything is coming at you. You know, like with Ditko is like, or even like standards, like left to right, right to left. But with, with Kirby, it's like, whoa, in your face. Everything is in your face. That's so true. This issue is totally in your face. Everything is in your face. It's cool. Right, because look, if looking through the issue, there's so many panels where characters are looking right at you, too. Yeah. So they're confronting you. And even on this two-page spread, like Lashina's looking right at us. Mm -hmm. And Ted's kind of looking at us, although his eyes are a little weird. Right. And Barda's kind of looking up at Scott, but she's also kind of looking at her at us mm -hmm. through the side of her eyes. So like she they're pulling us in. Yeah. And like Scott's going off the panels, off the page. It's so dynamic they can't even squeeze him onto the page. Yeah. And like he's chained up, but he's not chained up with like the Kirby S technology that much. Almost mm -hmm. makes it look more frightening because Scott's just in like what looks like ordinary chains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. I like it how like Lashina, she's like, ah, this is nothing. People are gonna be impressed by this. And of course, Oberon's wearing one of those crazy costumes, which we're gonna talk yeah. about in a minute, I think. We're gonna talk about it. He talks about it too. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I'm always looking at what he's dressing up. As. <laughs> The other thing is like, you know, this whole theory about dynamic co comic art having a lot of diagonals in it. Mm -hmm. That diagonals make the drama more exciting. They, they draw you into the page, which is an interesting theory because the most dynamic pages really have it. And pages two and three is like all diagonals. Everyone's at a diagonal to the page. Yeah. Uh, and it really does add to the drama. Mm -hmm. I was gonna, I have a comment about page four. So just out of curiosity, when was the comics code implemented? Do you know what year? It's 1954. 
1954. Okay. I was just thinking like, yeah, murder and stuff, you know, you don't want kids seeing it. But having somebody light up a huge bucket of gasoline, if a kid tried that, that would really like if you if you you know light up a gasoline that size of that whole like tank that they have it at, it would just blow up the like a I don't know, like a hundred yard radius or something. It's funny like how kids would actually be watching this and like I'm surprised a lot of kids didn't try to do this. Yeah, we it's we, fine. We, I'm not saying that, to that. Yeah. It's a testament that kids aren't stupid, you know, and like <laughs> censor comics, but it's just kind of funny how like how super dangerous this is. I never thought of that. That's so super, true. Super dangerous. Light up a bucket of gasoline and I'm surprised maybe thankfully this comic wasn't as popular as <laughs> it should have been. been. That's funny. I'm sure plenty of kids played Mr. Miracle, but I hope no one ever like bought gasoline and threw it into a Google or something. Never got in trouble. That's funny. My whole thing with that page is that it's teamwork that that sets Scott on his stunt. Mm. Right? Burn oh, yeah. lights it on fire, Lashina lashes it. Uh, Stompa stomps the the cord. Of course, Barter will help put the put him up on that pole in the first place. Like they're all working together to make Scott's stunts work correctly. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's kind of cool. They're like this. They've got military precision, you know. Mm -hmm. One one thing I wanted to mention also, like just even from like starting from the first page, I have it in my notes. Is that like. This is around the, I'm, I'm sure this is when Kirby is in Hollywood, you know, he probably is doing some cartoons, maybe some, I don't know, some storyboards. This is Hollywood Kirby, you know, because it's talking about show business and things like that, you know. But he lived in LA, right? He's in, yeah, suburban LA, yeah. So probably he's being exposed to show business because as you have it, he's like, um, he's all like, what happens when an idle young press agent meets the most incredible talent on earth? <clears throat> Kirby. Why show business? Why? Show business happens. That's what. I think a lot of it is, there's a part that I think he's like alluding to himself to a little bit. Although he's not an arrogant guy, but it's just kind of interesting. I didn't think of that. I bet there is but, some of that in there. But I mean, I think a lot of the show business items is really like seeping into him as he's living in L in LA or Orange County or wherever he lived in Southern but California. It comes with the culture of being the super escape artist too, right? He's got to be hyped. Makes sense that Ted's trying to hype him, you know, all throughout the world and stuff. Yeah. We didn't talk about the cover, by the way. I love the cover, the cover, which just makes Scott's, just another version of Scott's escape attempt here. Kirby draws a whole crowd surrounding the, the attempt which mm -hmm. is such a dramatic scene because like he actually draws most every body differently from another body. So you see like a whole crowd worth of reactions to Scott's stunt there. Yeah, that's true, yeah. The level of I, detail on that is really interesting. And then the Kirby dots rendered in this kind of wash style on the cover with the smoke coming out of the flaming pool. Just looks really interesting. I don't think we've ever seen that effect with the Kirby dots before. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The funny thing is like, that's not actually what happens in the book though. No. <laughs> I 
maybe that's maybe that's happens after the scene in the book itself well you see ted with the camera so he has the camera but the people aren't there i'm saying maybe this happens after issue 12 or something oh okay oh got it okay like maybe this is the scene that happened well not issue 12 but that maybe this is the scene okay. that happens after scott is freed from the ufo at the end of the issue like they take their act on the road maybe this is what happens oh, okay. oh cool okay yeah i don't know i'm throwing maybe more meaning into it than than probably kirby just created to be exciting but uh i also didn't pay attention to the cover because when i said on the first page you don't know what uh, barda is holding up you would be able to know if you look at the cover yeah yeah you would mm -hmm. Yeah, it's slightly different too because it's only it's only Barta holding the thing. It's not the female Furies yeah. attacking it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Scott's stunt is really really cool though too. I love the excitement and the fear and the drama on page six, and like Barta is legitimately afraid for him again. Yeah. For a moment, I almost panicked like the others. Mm -hmm. He probably did panic. She, you know, or at least she's trying to cover up her own fears by saying, I almost panicked. Is she lying to herself and saying that? Like the others. Or did she really trust Scott? And of course, she even has to like kind of nicely brag to my eyes never left you. <laughs> she, she just, well, their, their relationship continues to be like so much the heart of the book. So we get Dr. Bedlam back. Dr. Bedlam. I mean, he's not one of my favorite guys. I would have preferred somebody else coming back, but he's cool. I think what's interesting about Dr. Be oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, please go ahead. What I love about the Dr. Bedlam one, I was kind of going over um, uh, being Cal, the Mobius Jodorowsky book today. And like, there's a lot of ideas around folks, you know, changing bodies, you know, the, the state of human being going bodies and stuff and things like that. And, and Kirby introduced that too. So it's like, God, Kirby's introducing everything. Mobius was a big fan of Kirby's work too. Yeah. yeah you know, I'm starting to like Dr. Bedlam more. Mm -hmm. I think it's this, this ability he has that's basically a disembodied. It's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't get why he designed such an elaborate UFO, but you kind of just take it as a, one of those weird Kirby things, I guess. Yeah. Very I mean, yeah, I guess I like the idea. I just, uh, I, for some reason, I'm just used to Kirby just introducing new new characters every single issue. I was like, oh, I thought I was gonna get like a new person to look at, but I do like, you know, I mean, it's so original, you know? Yeah. I. Uh, yeah, I wonder how much he wanted to just bring back a character for a change. Because mm -hmm. you're right. I mean, he he's always bringing in returning characters, or always bringing in new characters. And Bedlam is not associated with Apocalypse necessarily, with uh, Darkseid necessarily, right? He's a minion of Darkseid, but I think he's working kind of semi-independently. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. He'd come back and want revenge against Mr. Miracle for defeating him. Oh, that's true. Yeah, maybe he was one of the pop. Maybe they got a lot of letters about him. Like, hey, where's Bedlam? Yeah, or maybe Kirby just felt like bringing him back. Mm -hmm. 
I wonder where they kept the UFO. Was that hidden in the woods for a long time, or did they beam it down or something? Because on the the bottom of page eight, it looks like the drones are kind of moving trees and stuff out of the way. Mm. Almost look like it's sitting on a pallet or something. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know where that comes from, but kind of an odd little note, I suppose. Yeah, you would think that with the with the technology, they don't have to hide it in the bushes. They could just have it appear. But, but hey, Doctor Bedlam has got a degree. I don't. All right. <laughs> yeah, is he a medical doctor? What kind of doctor is yeah. he? Where's, what's his degree in? Is it apocalyptic evil? Mm -hmm. Then we get to Oberon, mm -hmm. dressed in his air quote normal clothes. Yeah. Complaining about the flashy uniform and cape he must wear in the act. Ah, uh, it's really something else. So I pretty much said the same. I wrote down as almost the same exact thing as you just mentioned. What I said is like, Obron is complaining about having to wear a costume while wearing a mini skirt in the house. <laughs> mini skirt, kind of a semi-comfortable tunic and boots. Yeah. Unless he's wearing Uggs or something. And then why is he wearing a belt? I don't get it. Like, all right. Okay, Oberon. <laughs> and like, is what he's wearing in the previous pages that much different, really? Aside from it being a cape, like... I think the difference is that he's forced to wear pants. <laughs> Maybe that's it. He wants the boys to be free as he's walking around. It is he one of those guys who likes to wear shorts every day of the year, no matter how cold it is? Apparently, yeah. Um, and then I, I like this, um, the monsters that Kirby comes up with. I really feel like it's different than at least what I've seen from Kirby, where it's more like HP Lovecraft-ish as opposed to like, you know, big kaiju monster. Yeah, we talked like, about these a few yeah. issues ago. I think it was also the Dr. Bedlam issue. Yeah, I think he's really stretching himself, at least from my perspective. These are really eerie, weird looking monsters. Mm -hmm. Like that creature on the top of page 10, the yellow thing. Like that is like from a nightmare. Yeah. Also the one on top of page 11, panel one. Yeah. That's like, you know, that's like from you know, the thing, John Carpenter's thing or something. It's really freaking dark. Mm -hmm. Scary. Uh, Steve Bissett drew a lot of these kind of monsters in Swamp Thing, I remember in the early 80s. Mm -hmm. And I remember how terrifying those always looked. At the time, I didn't realize it was a an allusion to Kirby. It shows that Kirby's at the heart of so much of comics greatness. Oh, was it? I didn't know that. That Steve Bissett's was were there homages to Kirby's? Um, I don't know if there are homages, but I mean, he he must have been influenced because you know he was reading Kirby. Oh, okay. And usually those the panels like the one where Doctor Bedlam's face is behind Scott on page eleven, panel two, don't work. But in this case, I think it works really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure why, but I think it looks like genuinely spooky. Mm -hmm. Did I like the Kirby dots in there. Did he ever talk about his Kirby dots? Has there ever been any discussions around like why he used it like Kirby? Because he used it everywhere. 
and I like it, but I'm just wondering, like, what was the, did he ever talk about it? I'm not enough of a Kirby scholar to know. Once again, Scott feels compelled to go back into battle. He really feels like he has no choice, especially since Bedlam's already attacked his friends. And on the next page, he continues attacking Ted Brown and Oberon, not with the dreams or not with the, you know, strange creatures, with those drones. What's interesting to me is that from page 12 to 14, you don't see him fighting. He goes to change in the costume. You're right. He doesn't help him. I mean, the, the theories come in and help everybody, but like he's like changing his costume, you know, putting on his makeup, you know, whatever, to come back and fight. Like, it's actually like a conscious effort on Kirby's part that like he didn't automatically get in the costume. He actually left the room, changed the costume while everybody's fighting, came back after they were kind of half done. It took him a few minutes to change too. Yeah. It took him like, I don't know, like... 10, 12 panels? Right. Panels. Well, maybe because like even Oberon gets in the fight and he's able to kick the drone in the butt on the bottom of page 12. Maybe he knew the Furies with it would protect them. Actually, I just realized something. Later on, we realized that he, he um, replicated the mother box into his costume. Yeah. And I think it was probably to ensure that if something happens to the mother box he still has a backup mother box that's never explained but i think that's that's why you think he went off and that's one of the things he was doing well or you need he needed to get his costume because it has a replicate oh yeah okay yeah okay that makes sense he didn't mention it but yeah because he kind of knew he'd be drawn into the adventure yeah and then the the mother box gets shot by a high energy gun called the galacta gun and it's purple like galactus yeah i wonder how intentional that is it's evil right from marvel <laughs> <laughs> it'll even kill your mother stan will kill your mom mm -hmm. oh that's hilarious i didn't even think of that galacta gun I mean, I'm sure it's not. A, you just can't, couldn't think of a better name, but. Oh, that's but that's so funny. But are those maybe subconscious kind of things? And he, I mean, they never say who colors it. Do we even have any idea? I need. To, I've actually asked that question a couple of times. I should really look into it. Well, I, it, what you're seeing in the graphic novels is recoloring. But even in the original color, who colored these? Did he? I'm just. I think interested. it was Royer. Was it? Oh, okay. I'm not sure. It's a good question. Uh, I'm going to research that for next time. I mean, Royer inked it and he lettered it, but and he's, I do love his letter, lettering. Y'all. Miracle can't ignore a challenge no matter what the odds are against him. And for a change, Barter advises Scott to take his time, and Scott just jumps in. It's usually the opposite between them. Is it? I always feel like she's warning him. She's all like, you don't have to do it. Don't worry. You know, like, let's just get away from it all. And he's like, no, no, I got to do this. He's like a man explaining it. And then she always has to come and save his ass. That's true. She always has to come and save his ass. 
this time for a change, she doesn't. It's actually really refreshing that she doesn't. This is one of the few times that Scott's able to uh, win out, or maybe just escape because of his own battles. Because we don't see Barda after she tells him not to go until the very end of the issue. Uh, I guess my point is that Barda is usually the headstrong one, and Scott's usually oh, yeah. the one who thinks about it. Mm -hmm. And this case, you know, it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. Interesting little bits of storytelling here on page 16. First couple panels, they're kind of face to face and their faces are even. You see kind of the same shape of or size of face between the two of them, between Scott and Barda. And then panel three, his cape covers Barda's face. Mm -hmm. Again, this might be just subliminal stuff that Kirby did, does here. But like he's just basically saying, I'm going into action. I'm covering you up. I'm moving past you. I, you no longer, your, your vision is no longer applying to me. The next panel, his back is turned to her and to us. Like he, he's made the definitive decision. And then the next panel after that, panel five, he's shrouded in darkness. Yeah. He's contemplating his decision. He's kind of stealing himself for, for the battle. And then we just see his glove as he starts to move into action. Mm -hmm. So he listened to his girlfriend, thought about it, and then said, no, I reject you. Turn, turns his back on her, worries, and then moves into action. Like it's a really beautiful bit of subtle storytelling on page 16. And then he confronts Bedlam on the UFO. Yeah, when Bedlam leaves his uh, mannequin body, does he take over the spaceship or the UFO? I think so. I think that's why it rises. Mm, interesting. That's really cool. I mean, that's that's really original. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't he didn't come up with the idea, but just seeing it in comics, it's really cool. Did you read it the same way, Amir? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's. Another illusion, like an in Cal, it's, I think I mentioned it too, but like there was somebody in that a character in that book that takes over like a like a death machine. For, he goes, she goes from a human bo or a body to a death machine. It's the same type of thing here, and this, that's like, you know, five years later, which is interesting. Interesting. I gotta read those books. I have them all. Yeah, and you think of that book as being original in sci-fi, but obviously, like Kirby is just so influential. In comics. Yeah. Huh. That's very interesting. And like I said, they, you know that uh, that Mobius is reading Kirby because there was a lot of allusions to him in his writing. Mm. Huh. This battle on the UFO is uh, really dramatic. It's not necessarily super heroic, but it's really dramatic. Mm hmm. It's kind of like something out of a 70s, 60s sci-fi movie where it gets, yeah. where the UFO gets pelted by meteorites and then it starts to burn up in the atmosphere and then, you know, Scott's afraid of the oxygen and it, they, it sent it to the moon. I mean, this is really dramatic. Mm. It reminds me of his 2001 Odyssey book too. It's very, it has a similar like quote unquote special effects. Which all is also only two or three years later. Oh yeah. 
I, it really feels like Scott is genuinely scared. Mm. Like whatever he was able to do with Mother Box, whatever abilities he has, um, he's like legitimately threatened by all this. Mm -hmm. And that's an, again, like the difference in power levels between him and Orion and Light Ray. Because if Orion was trapped in something like this, he would just break out, you know, and fight and it would be really no big deal for him. Mm -hmm. But Scott's a whole different level of celestial mm -hmm. who, um, you know, is much more human. He can't fly like those guys can. Yeah, he can't fly. He needs his oxygen. Mm -hmm. uh, he's going to freeze to death in the vacuum of space. Mm -hmm. By the way, the scene on top of page 19 of the UFO on fire going through space. <laughs> it's a gorgeous little moment. Scientifically, you can't have fire in space, but it's beautiful. It's awesome. Maybe it's in the atmosphere still. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, of course. It's great. It, it is in the atmosphere. It's, it's like a pebble skipping across the world's air envelope. All right. I like, um, and I, you know, I, I don't know if you've gotten to it, but yeah, and the next, actually in a couple of pages, it'll talk about like the replication of the mother box, but but I like that reveal scene of like, you know, the next page, Dr. Bedlam's all like, wait, that pinging sound, you got a mother box, but I thought it's a, and then, you know, he has his own, recreated his mother box in his, in his um, costume, which is great. Yeah, so his celestial power is his intelligence and his uh, always thinking three steps ahead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like Batman, he's always thinking about things on a different level. I guess he is a, he's a Batman of the Celestials. Yeah, I think so. In a lot of ways he is. Um, he's not an asshole like Batman. Scott's just the nicest guy. Yeah. He's the one character of, of like all of Kirby's new gods. So I feel like he'd be just a great person to hang out with. Mm -hmm. He's got cool friends. He's got a great personality. Mm -hmm. He's got a positive attitude about things. No wonder he seems to keep attracting more and more characters around him. Mm -hmm. He does have a lot of friends, yeah. And he gets more and more as this series goes on. He actually probably has more friends than any other character in New Gods, right? Even more than Light Ray. And Light Ray seems like an interesting guy. But Scott's been seasoned too. He's not naive like Light Ray is. Yeah. Well, there's just something very, very magnetic about it, which I guess means he's a great entertainer too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, why would the moon shoot off a fireworks display? <laughs> or the people. Out of me is one of those weird Kirby's character statements. This is 1973, so like they just went to the moon. They didn't know you can't light stuff on there. <laughs> I, it's really exciting to, to imagine the moon with fireworks on it. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, it's such a Kirby-esque moment. You can imagine something like that in the Fantastic Four or something. But it just seems so strange, right? Mm -hmm. Look at the moon. It's shooting off a fireworks display. Well, who's shooting off the fireworks? Where did they plan? How, how do you know what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. It's cool. It's inspiring, though, as the guy says. Mm-hmm.
So did you think it was a good payoff or too kind of, I don't know, DSS Machina or something that Scott reveals he duplicated the circuits inside his hood? I liked it because it just reminds me that like, because so the circuit that's been replicated in his uh, mask or helmet or whatever, that technology was not available when I was going to engineering school back in 2000. <laughs> <laughs> i used to have well it was available but it was not being used it was those are like force sensing resistors on his mask mm -hmm. which is like it didn't you know it now we use those technologies like in the an iphone and things like yeah. that yeah, exactly but back then when that was when we were learning it in school we're like oh my god whoa like like don't touch it that thing is like a hundred bucks and it's like a little thing like that so it's just i was just amazed by of like the foresight that Kirby had and all the reading and like all the science fiction learning that he did before Craig, because he was an avid reader of science fiction, right? He was a big fan of it. So yeah, um, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was probably like, yeah, I thought, I mean, you know, those sex market, I mean, it's all of these back then, it's, it's a kid's comic book at the end of the day. So all of them have something at the end of the day where like, oh that that happened huh is that how you, but i mean i just like the reasoning behind it right okay and then the issue ends the way it begins in a way with scott surrounded by his family mm -hmm. yeah ted oberon and barda are there for him scott's never really alone no he's always got he's surrounded by people who love him mm -hmm. i just think yeah. that's that's also a nice difference from the new gods characters. Looking forward to who the Mistivac is. Is it a vacuum? Yeah, another done in one issue, the Mistivac for next week. Thanks, Amir. Thank you. Oh, thank you.